But if you got your Bibles with you today, let's look at John 11. We're going to read out of John 11 this morning. And uh, that's where we're going to hang out today in uh, John chapter 11. So today uh, we're going to be talking about the God of the resurrection. The God of the resurrection. It, it kind of implies when I say the God of resurrection that there's a little response. Um, implying that the congregation um, is resurrected. <laughs> or on, on their way there, hopefully. Um, so there's a little response in the crowd when you say the God of the resurrection. A little better, but not as good as it should be. I said the God of the resurrection. There we go. There we go. There we go. All right. So if you're new today, you don't have to respond. But if you are a normal person here, normal person here, uh, there should be some response out of you because you've been resurrected by God. Um, So we're going to read out of John 11 today, and we're going to talk about the God of the resurrections. Now, we're going to read several verses, uh, but we're going to read this story, and it's about the story of Lazarus. So, uh, John 11 and verse 1, it says, A man named Lazarus was sick, and he lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. And this is Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. And her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so the Son of God would receive glory So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed there the next few days. Now, let's jump down to uh, verse 17. Verse 17, John 11, 17. It says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. And Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people who had come to console Mary and Martha were there for their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she met him, but Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been there, my brother would not have died. And even now, I know that God will give you what you ask. Verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, yes, Mary said he will rise when everyone else rises on the last day. But Jesus told her, now this is red letter. Now this is preaching scripture right here. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. And if anyone believes in me, they will live and even after they die. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And he said, do you believe this, Martha? And she said, yes, Lord. She said, I've always believed you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world. And then she returned to Mary. In verse 30, it said, Jesus has stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. And when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her, they left hastily and they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. And so they followed her there. And when Mary arrived, she saw Jesus and fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would have not died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, he saw the other people wailing. A deep anger welled within him. And he was deeply troubled, and he said, where have you put him, he asked them. And they told him, Lord, come and see, and then Jesus wept. And the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some have said, this man healed a blind man, but couldn't have kept Lazarus from dying. Now stay with me, we're getting to the really, really good part. 
And Jesus was still angry, and he arrived at the tomb in the cave, the cave where the stone was, and he rolled across the entrance, and he said, Roll away the stone, Jesus told them. But Martha said, This dead man's sister protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell would be terrible. And Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that we would see the, God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone away. Then Jesus looked into heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You have always heard me. And I say it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here that you will believe in those who sent me. Then Jesus shouted, shouted. Now, there is no such thing as a quiet church. Jesus shouted. All right. It's unscriptural for people to be quiet and all stiff and stuffy in church. Unscriptural. All right. Jesus shouted. And he said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, and his hand and his feet were bound in grave clothes, and he wiped his, he had his face wrapped in headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. So if you're taking notes, the title of the message is The God of the Resurrection. The God of the Resurrection. Can we talk this morning about the God of the Resurrection? And we're talking out of John 11 here. And John 11 uh, is a story of Lazarus. Some of you know who Lazarus is. Some of you don't know who he is. But he was a friend of Jesus. He was a close friend of Jesus. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were a family that Jesus loved. Jesus was close to. And we we know because Mary and Martha show up a lot in the Bible. And uh, we hear the story of Mary and Martha. One was cooking for Jesus. One was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And he said, you know, you're troubled about many things. You need to come listen to me. So he was at their house all the time. Apparently eating food, hanging out, teaching God's word and God's ways. And Lazarus was one of his best friends. And so in John 11, this is what happens. In John 11, we see the story of Lazarus. He was sick, and Jesus was away on a ministry uh, journey with his disciples. And he was away, and he got the message that Lazarus was sick. Lazarus was sick, and and he was probably going to die. They didn't have the medicine we have today. They didn't have the hospitals we have today. So a lot of times when you got sick, in those times, you died. There was no medicine. There was no hospitals. Most of the time, you just died. And a lot of people died at a young age because there was no way, unless something happened by divine intervention, that a lot of people died in that, in that day. So Lazarus was sick, and he ended up dying. And once again, Jesus was away on a ministry journey. He wasn't in the town. But these people were very close to him. And it's interesting In John 11, we could look at this again. In John 11, verse 3, it says, So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Some translations say, the one you love is sick. The one you love. The one you love. You know, Lazarus is not the only person that Jesus loves. Lazarus is not the only person that Jesus cares about. Really, you could put your name in there because you are the one he loves. And you are the one he cares about. And you are the one he's interested in. And you know what? When you get in trouble and tests and trials and you're going through circumstances and you're going through situations that aren't pleasant, just like Lazarus was in, you are the one he loves. And you are the one he cares about. You need to know that today before you go any further and you leave this place today and go about your business today. You need to know that you are the one he loves. Just like Lazarus, you are the one he loves. And he cares about you. 
And so they were dear friends. They were close family to Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't have a lot of people that were super close to him. There wasn't a lot of people that understood Jesus. But Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were some of these trusted friends. So he really cared deeply about Lazarus. And it's interesting, the, the word or the name Lazarus, most of the names in the Old Testament and the New Testament because they really cared about the names and every name had a meaning in it. It wasn't just today that we look through a baby books and we like, oh, that's a cute name. We don't know what it means. It means Satan, but we're just going to go name them that anyways. But the name is so cute. Okay, it means Beelzebub in the original language. So anyways, sorry, I'm making fun of names here. But they didn't just name their kids flippantly because they found it on Facebook. Like, oh, that's a cute name. That's precious. Or on Pinterest, that's a sweet little name. No, the names that they gave their children had a meaning to them. And the names had a significance. And the name Lazarus means God is my helper. God is my helper. And Lazarus had, had a lot of trust in God. He had a lot of trust in Jesus. He trusted in him. And, you know, I believe with all my heart that he knew that Jesus would come for him. He knew that Jesus would help him when he needed help. And so let's jump down here to verse 21. John 11 and verse 21. So before we read this passage, what happens is we see that Jesus was sent a message that Lazarus was sick, but Jesus didn't immediately go to Lazarus. It was one of his best friends. And he knew if he, if he didn't go, he might die. But Jesus knew what he was doing, knew where he was going. And so you see that a lot of times in the gospel, they would say, Jesus, you need to come over here and do this. And he would say, okay. And go the opposite way. Because he was doing the will of the Father. And he knew there's a timing and there's a place for everything. And a lot of times God doesn't work on our timetable. God doesn't look at your clock to figure out when he needs to do something. He's doing it at his own way, in his own pace. And a lot of times when they would say, Jesus, come over here and do this, he would say, I'll get to it, but I'm doing this right now. Complete opposite of what we usually do. Because we're just running from a crisis to crisis and situation to situation instead of waiting to hear from God on what we should do. And how many know Jesus, even though he was God, he was listening to his father and he knew that I have to wait to hear from my father to go heal this man. I can't just go in my own strength, in my own power. I need to hear from the father. And when the father tells me to go, I'll go. So Jesus could have got there in time before he died. Easily. And these are some close friends to Jesus, but he, he waited. He wasn't trying to be mean to somebody. He wasn't trying to just torture Mary and Martha. But he waited, and he got there four days after he died. Four days after he died. Everybody say four days. Now, four days is significant, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But he got there four days after he was dead. But notice what... Martha says, and later on in the story, Mary repeats the same thing. So, they, you know, they must have been talking about it in the house. Where was Jesus? Sis, I don't know where Jesus was, but when I see him, I'm going to slap him upside the head. Because he was supposed to be here by now, but he's not. 
It's interesting. They repeated the same exact line to Jesus as soon as they saw him. But what does she say? John 11 and verse 21, I'm reading from the New Living. It says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would have not died. But, now that's her faith speaking right there. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. That's her faith speaking. And later on he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And she sa- he says, do you believe this, Martha? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe. I really believe that Martha's faith is what raised Lazarus from the dead. How many know you need some good family members that believe God for you when you don't know how to believe God? And if you can't find any, you can find some in the local church that will believe God for you when you need help and you need rescue and you need healing and you need deliverance and you need a situation to change. You need at least somebody around you to say, I believe, even if you're too weak in your own strength to believe for yourself. Lazarus was dead. He was not believing anything. But his sister said, yes, Lord. I believe. And God had to have somebody's agreement for the faith to work. But notice she asked a question first. She said, Lord, if you'd only been there, my brother would have not died. Now that's significant because every person on the planet asked that question. Every person's either said that or thought that. And really we could say, why God? Everybody has a situation, at least one or two in their life, maybe more, where they have said, God, if you love me, why did this happen? Or God, if you would have healed me by now, then this wouldn't have happened. If you would have delivered me by now, this wouldn't have happened. This relationship would have lasted. Why did that happen, God? Why, God, if you love me, if you're for me, why? Now, that's the biggest question ever. Everybody asks that. A lot of people don't know the answers to that question, but a lot of people, you'll hear people say, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, let's just talk about that just for a second. There's no such thing as a good person anyways. Because in the eyes of God, we're all sinners and we're not good people. Oh man, this is exactly one that wanted to hear this morning. It's true. In the eyes of God, there is no one good but God. And so this idea that, you know, why did this happen? Because I'm a good person doesn't really theologically line up with the view of God. In our human eyes, it does because we're basing that based off of other people. We think they're bad and I'm good. But in the eyes of God, there's no such thing as good people and bad people. There's dead people and there's alive people, but there's not good people and bad people. And apart from God, we're all sinners. We're all evil. We're all bad people. Until the nature of God is restored in us. But the the fact is this, that in reality, only one time that ever happened. Why something bad happened to a good person, and that was Jesus on the cross. That's the only time it ever happened. Who was completely righteous, completely holy, completely good. And something bad happened to him. But it wasn't because he caused it. It wasn't because of something he did. He was doing that for us. Taking that 
for us, doing that for our sakes. And so that's the biggest question. God, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. We've all asked that. Let's not try to act holy spiritual in here because we're all not. We've all asked that. Why, God? Why did this relationship end? Why did this person get sick and die? Why did uh, I get laid off? Why did we go bankrupt? Why did this uh, relationship not turn out the way I wanted it to? Why did this accident happen? Why does these tragedies happen? Why, God, why? Because if you would have been here, then it wouldn't have happened. Well, let me, I'm going to try to give you the short, short, super short version of that on why those things happen, even though God loves us. The short version is this. We live in a fallen world in a fallen planet. Because of sin, this world, not just the people in it, but all of creation is under sin. And as you can see by the natural disasters, by the stuff you see on the news, that's not God, that's the enemy. But sin causes destruction. Sin causes death. And so you see, even the natural disasters we see are not the judgment of God. It's called the earth is dying because of the sin. It's being destroyed because of the sin, not because of the judgment of God. He's out to kill people. He's out to hurt people. It has nothing to do with him. It has to do with we live in a fallen world and we're under the control, not us who believe in Jesus, but everyone else. We are under the control of an enemy. And it says in the Bible that he is come to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his calling. That is what he does. And that's why we see what we see on the news every day. That's why we experience wars. That's why we experience hunger and famine. That's why there's tragedies in the world. That's why you go through what you go through is we live in a fallen world and the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's a super short version of it. And he says in the Bible that the tests and trials of life come to the believer and the unbeliever. How I many know it rains on the just and the unjust? The sun shines for the just and the unjust. If we're living in the planet, it says tests and trials and tribulations would come. That's a part of it. If we live here, we're not in heaven yet, none of us. And I don't care how good you live or how good your relationship with God is, you still go through things because you live on this planet. You're not in heaven yet. Now, maybe that's not what you wanted to hear this morning, but that's the truth. We all go through stuff, and God doesn't want it to happen, and God loves us, but a lot of times it's happened because of our own choices. And that there's a real enemy that's out to steal, kill, and destroy from our lives. Some of you have maybe experienced that already in your life, and that's what happened right here. It wasn't God's perfect will that Lazarus would die. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, and he killed the friend of Jesus. But Jesus said, what the enemy went, meant for evil, I could turn around for good. What the enemy meant for evil in your life, in my life, if we believe God and we have faith, he can resurrect things that the enemy has tried to kill. He can resurrect things that we thought were dead. He can resurrect things that we need to change in our life because he's a God who can take what the enemy meant for evil and he could turn it for our good. But he needs us to believe him and have faith. 
Most people stop right there. When stuff happens in your life and tragedy happens, they blame God and they give up. Which, first of all, it's not his fault in the first place. But secondly, they give up when they could have that situation turned around if they just believed God. But notice that's what Mary and Martha were doing to Jesus right then. They said, why weren't you here? Because it wouldn't have happened if you had been here. We've all said that. We've all thought that. But Jesus said, hold on. It's not over. I can turn a situation like that around. I can use what the enemy meant to destroy your life and change it. Because he's the God of the resurrection. And I can take a situation that the enemy has brought because his, his will is to still kill and destroy. You know, just Jesus said that I would come that you might have life and life more abundantly. That's what God wants, life and life more abundantly. If it doesn't line up with that, it's not from God. But God said, I'm going to use what happened to you, not that it was my will, but God will get glory out of it when I turn this situation in your good. When I turn what was a test into a testimony. Now, where's my organ when I need it? Somebody help me. He can turn a test into a testimony. He can turn a mess into your message. But notice that only happens if we believe God can resurrect things in our lives. Now, the the fact is that most of us just stay there. Well, I'm a mess. Will of God. I can't can't do anything about it. It's just, just my lot in life. Okay, you're in a mess right now, but let God resurrect things and turn it into a message that you can help other people with. You're in a test right now. It stinks right now. It's not fun right now. But let God change that into a testimony that you can encourage people the rest of your life with of what God brought you through and did for your life. Come on, can I get amen in the house of God? And so she asked God questions, and Jesus wasn't offended by that, but notice she changed it and said, I feel this way. You should have been here, but... I believe. I believe. I feel like for a lot of us today, this will be the day that you say, but I believe. This will be the day that that you can say, okay, I have a lot of stuff in my past. It's a mess. There's things that are dead that need to be resurrected. But God, today, I believe. I believe you can do it. I believe you can resurrect things. I believe you can change things. And that's when God will go to work. See, we think just because we have a need that God's automatically going to meet it. The truth is that God wants to meet our needs, but he needs our faith. He needs our cooperation. He needs some corresponding actions. And that's why so many people are desperate for God to do something. He's like, God, where are you? God, why would you do this? God, and he's saying, will you never believe me? God, why didn't you move? Because he doesn't just move because you have a need. He moves when you believe him. And even though he knows you have needs, and he knows what you need, and he knows what you're going through, he says, I can't respond to you unless 
you believe me. Unless there's some faith on your side. That's the way of God. That's what he does. He's not some dictator in heaven. He's not some person in heaven who's, who's just pushing us around like we're little puppets. And he can just do whatever he wants whenever he wants to. And we don't have a say. He's given us a free will and a free choice. That's why he says, where's your faith? All in the Gospels, you would see time after time again, he knew somebody was sick. He knew somebody had a need. He knew somebody needed to be delivered. And he would say to them, even though he could just lay hands on them and heal them, do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole? Because he wants to know your faith. Do you want it? And he would say, do you have faith? To the woman with the issue of blood, he said, your faith has made you whole. His power was available for all these people. Hundreds and thousands of people that Jesus walked through every day. And none of them were getting healed. And none of them were getting delivered. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. And he walked through these people left and right. And nobody got touched because they didn't have faith. And there was one lady who had faith in God and said, if I can just touch Jesus, that this thing in my life that's dead will be resurrected, that this dream in my life will be resurrected, that this healing that I need in my body will be resurrected. And one woman out of hundreds and thousands of people touched him with faith. And she said, or he said to her, your faith has made you whole. Now, of course, we know it was his power, but nobody else got anything. He said, your faith has made you whole. Are you getting something this morning? Are you being encouraged today? And a lot of times we could ask God, where have you been? Why did this happen to me? And those are legitimate questions. But if you want to move forward, you have to go beyond that and say, but God, I believe you anyways. There's things that happen in life that are not fair and they're not right. It's called you live on this planet. I'm sorry. You live on this planet. There's things that are not right. They're not fair. They shouldn't happen. But you live in a fallen world. God doesn't want them to happen, but they happen. But now you have a choice to make. But God, I believe you. And when we believe him, he says, I can take what's dead and resurrect it. Because we serve a God who can do the impossible. You know why they were so upset? Because man cannot resurrect another man. (laughs) Can't do it. Cannot do it. Another person cannot just resurrect another person. And they said, Jesus, why did you do this? Because it's impossible with man. But it's possible with God. And Jesus, how many know he had some inside information? He knew something that Mary and Martha and the people around didn't know. You know, uh, this is kind of an old church saying that people say, you know, God's not early. And he's never late, but he's always on time. But I would say, I don't think that's right. To Lazarus, he was late. 
There was no doubt about it. Jesus? <laughs> You're late. <laughs> you clocked in about an hour too late on this one. And how many know in our own lives sometimes, that's a, that's a fun saying to say in church, it preaches good. Well, <laughs> God's never early and he's never late. He's always on time. But what if he's late? Because I don't know about you, but there's times in my life. No, you're late. You're definitely late. There's not, there's not a question about that. You are very late. Like late to the point that you could get fired from your job late. This is not like a, um, debatable. But God doesn't work on our timetable. You know, God is outside of time. He doesn't have a, uh, a timepiece. He doesn't have an iPhone. Uh, he doesn't have a clock on his wall. And there's times in our life that it seems like God is late. But once again, in the eyes of man, God's late. The way we see things, he's late. But notice he's a God of resurrection. They said one time, it's not over to the fat lady sings. Now, I would never say that because I don't want to get shot on Easter. I'm repeating what somebody else said, who was a very unwise man if they ever said that. But really, the reality is, it's not over till God says it's over. It's not over till God says it's over. And you know, when man says it's over, God still has a ways to move. He can do whatever he wants to do. And what God says, go. And so until God says it's over, it's not over. Until God says it's done, it's not done. Until God says it's finished, it's not finished. Because he's God. And he can do that. And he's the God of the resurrection. You getting something this morning? John 11 and verse 33. Let's read it here. John 11 and verse 33. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping... And saw the other people wailing with her. Now this is, Jesus saw Mary and Martha and all these friends of Lazarus around there. Saw them wailing. So they were so upset. They were wailing with this deep sorrow. A deep anger welled up within him. Now he wasn't angry at those people. I really feel like he was angry at what the devil had done to his friend Lazarus. He wasn't angry at people for crying. Because notice what he goes on and he does. In verse 34, it says, Where have you put him, he asked. And they told him, Lord, come and see. So they took him to the tomb where uh, Lazarus was buried. And then Jesus wept. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Now, I've won enough candy in children's church to know if you want to tell the teacher, I remembered a verse of the Bible and you want to get candy out of it. You go to Jesus wept. All right, hand over the candy, candy, children's church leader. Because I remembered my Bible verse for the week, Jesus wept. Then take him and say, look, John 11, if you don't believe me, John 11 and verse 35, Jesus wept, hand over the butter fingers and the Reese cups. Shortest verse in the Bible. There's your Bible trivia for the day. Jesus wept. Now, the thing about that is why in the world would Jesus weep when he knew what was going to happen? Jesus is the only person there that knows what's going to happen. 
Everybody else is crying. Everybody is upset. Everybody's freaking out because they think Lazarus is dead and he's, he's just done. And on top of that, Jesus, who we thought our best friend was, is late to the party. He's not helping. So they're upset. They're crying. They're wailing because this is a close friend. This is a close family member. And it says that Jesus heard them weeping and Jesus wept himself. Now, why would Jesus weep? When he knows what he's about to do. He could have said, cheer up. Look, I'm about to resurrect him. Smile, everybody. But Jesus wept. Now, I'll tell you the reason why I think that he did that is because in Hebrews it says that Jesus is a compassionate high priest. It says that Jesus feels what we feel. And he understands our weakness. Because it says that he was a man like us. And he was tempted in every way like us. And he experienced everything like us. So he can be a faithful and compassionate high priest for us. You realize every pain you ever felt, Jesus has felt. Every depression you've ever sensed, he has felt. Every anxious thought you've ever thought, he has felt. Every sickness or disease that you felt in your body, Jesus has felt in his own body. And Jesus is not a God that's far off off in heaven and says, why don't you guys just get it together and get over yourself? He says, I know what you're going through, and I feel what you feel, and I understand your weakness because I was a man just like you are men and women, and I am a faithful and compassionate God. And let me tell you something today. Jesus wept because he felt compassion on those people even though he knew what he was going to do. And let me tell you today, you might say, well, nobody knows what I'm going through. God does. Well, nobody feels the way I feel. God knows how you feel. Nobody's been through what I've been through. God understands it. He understands it. And I know a lot of times we say that so we can stay in our pain. See you guys, I'm going to Easter lunch. <laughs> a lot of times we say that so we can use that as a crutch for people to not mess with us about our issues. You just don't get it. What have you ever been through, pastor? Nobody ever talks to me like that. So, <laughs> tell you what I've been through. Your smart mouth. No, I, I wouldn't. I'm nice. I'm nice. Okay. Have somebody else slap you for me. So, but God knows. Trust me today. Everything you've ever been through and everything you will ever go through, God knows. God feels it. You say, "Well, this is some deep pain, and this hurts really bad, and this circumstance is horrible." Nobody on the world in the world knows what I'm feeling or what I'm going through. Jesus does. And it says he's moved with compassion. (laughs) I love that all throughout the Gospels, when he would see people that needed help, it says he was moved with compassion. Not judgment, with compassion. Moved with compassion, and that's what he is doing this morning. 
for the fact that you're sitting in this church right now means that God has something to say to you. You're not here by accident. It doesn't happen that way. Why in the world would you be here, this specific location, on Easter morning? You didn't just happen to make that decision yourself. There's a God in heaven that helped orchestrate that. And he knows what you're going through. And today, he is moved with compassion towards you. I love compassion is different from feeling sorry for people. How many know we all watch commercials and see the people starving in Africa? Starving in Asia? Starving somewhere in extreme poverty? And we want to cry. And we want to get upset, but a lot of times we turn the channel. You say, well, the NBA's on. Why do I need to think about starving kids? Too close to home. Everybody just got really quiet. <laughs> I didn't watch the playoffs yesterday. No, I was feeding starving children. That's what I was doing. So don't try to call me out on Sunday morning. Or if your heart's really tender, you see that, uh, those, uh, what's her name? singer sarah mclaughlin the puppy commercials now i have a puppy now so i got a little compassion towards animals just a little bit and you see that and you're moved in your heart like that poor little puppy but then you change the channel because fixer uppers on the tv so feeling sorry for something or somebody is not enough how many know in our everyday life we walk by people and go, man, I feel bad for that person? We drive by people on the side of the road that you can tell are homeless. Man, it stinks to be them. Father, help them. We do that all the time. But there's something different from feeling sorry for something, somebody in this word compassion. Because compassion is not just I feel it. It's compassion means I'm going to do something about it. It's different. And that's when it says Jesus was moved with compassion. Notice that word moved with compassion. Not I'm just going to stand here and say, oh, man, I feel bad for you guys. No, he was moved and compelled with compassion, or we could say the love of God, to do something about it. And that's what Jesus was in this story. Jesus was not just feeling sorry for the family of Lazarus. He felt sorry, and he felt it. He understood it, but he said, I'm not going to just stand here. I'm going to be moved with compassion and do something about this pain in their life. And that's what Jesus, he went and said, where have you put him? They took him to the tomb. Verse 38, it says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. In a cave with the stone rolled across it. And he said, roll away the stone. You ever heard this term? There's something called righteous indignation. Now, it's not that you're, you're mad and you're angry in a wrong way. It's that you have righteous anger. There's, there's such a thing as that. That you're just tired of the enemy taking from people. Come on now, where are you at this morning? You're tired of the enemy messing with your friends. You're tired of the enemy sending you depression every Monday morning. You just get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And there's such thing as a righteous anger and indignation that is good that sometimes you've got to get stirred up to the point that you've got to do something about it. 
And that's what Jesus was. Jesus was stirred to the point that he was angry about what happened to his friend Lazarus. He said, this is not right. It shouldn't be this way. i got to do something about it, so I'm going to do something because of my compassion. He says he was angry. A lot of times we see anger because it's used in the wrong sense a lot of times in our own lives. But there is such thing as a righteous anger to change things and to help people. That you see that this has to change. This has to be different. And Jesus was moved with this kind of compassion. It says, but Martha said, Lord, it has been four days and the smell will be terrible. It's been four days and the smell will be terrible. Now, it's significant about four days because on the fourth day is really when the body starts to decompose. On the fourth day is when the body starts to really stink. On the fourth day, it's when the body starts to really, you can tell that that person has been dead. Also, in that time, in their tradition, a lot of times they they thought, even though this wasn't based on anything scriptural, a lot of times the the people in that day, the, the superstition they had about people that died was that after somebody died, that they would kind of hang around their body for three days as a spirit. But on the fourth day, it was kind of over. On the fourth day, they were either either going to hell or they were going to heaven. But for three days, it was kind of like there's still a chance. There's still an opportunity for something to change here. And that was kind of superstition of that day that for three days, the spirit would just kind of be around the body hovering around. But then after three days, the fourth day, that spirit would either go to be with God or go to be with the devil or wherever they thought the spirits went in that time. But on the fourth day, it wasn't just done. It was done, done. It wasn't just finished. It was really finished. It wasn't just over. It was really over. And to top that off, you could smell the dead body from miles away. You know, that, that time in that day, they didn't have the stuff that we have to preserve bodies. And trust me, in that Middle Eastern heat, when a dead body was like that, you could smell it for miles away. And on the fourth day is when it really started to stink. The New Living Translation says, in a little bit sweeter way, the smell would be terrible. How proper is that? The smell would be terrible. Let's get a little plug-in to plug into the wall and get some air freshener in here. The smell would be terrible. So on the fourth day, it would start to stink, the dead body. And she said, Jesus, you've already put us through enough. Let's not open the tomb and be embarrassed once again and have to smell that. Because she didn't know what Jesus was about to do. But I just think it's interesting because he said after the fourth day, on the fourth day, it would start to stink. Now, thinking about that, I, I was earlier in the week thinking about this. How many things in your life stink? Not physically, but stink. You're reminded of it all the time. That's a nice word to put it, stink. This part of my life really stinks. This relationship really stinks. It really stinks that 
my health hasn't changed by now. It really stinks that I haven't got a new job by now. It really stinks that I'm still dealing with this depression and anxiety right now. It stinks. And God waited to the fourth day. To the fourth day. I think he was waiting to show them what God can do on the fourth day. He was waiting to show them that he's the God who can do the impossible. He was waiting to show them that, no, this is not just an accident that he resurrected. This is not just something that happened. He just wasn't just sleeping in the tomb for a couple days. No, on the fourth day, you would be very aware that he's completely dead. And he waited to the fourth day to show himself strong. He waited to the fourth day to show his power and his glory that he could resurrect Lazarus. And I really believe it's the same for us. Sometimes we wait for God to do something. That's why it says with faith and patience you inherit the promises of God. Because it doesn't always happen immediately. Faith and patience. And a lot of you feel like it's the fourth day today. And it stinks. But I'm glad you came this morning. Because we serve the God of the resurrection. And maybe you feel like that. Maybe in your body. Maybe in a relationship. Maybe in a situation. Maybe with your emotions or your mind. or I don't know what it is today. But a lot of us can feel like we're on the fourth day of this. And guess what God? It not only is a horrible situation. But it stinks. And you don't want God to embarrass you on the fourth day. But God is the God of the resurrection. I love this. Jesus said, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone away. Then Jesus looked into heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that you would believe you sent me. Now, you guys still here today? We're about to close. Now, stay with me. I love this. The way Jesus started his prayer, God, I thank you that you hear me. I thank you that you hear me. You know God hears you. Do you know that? Even when you, it seems like he doesn't hear you, God hears you. Even when it feels like God is not listening, He's listening. Even when you don't understand everything, God hears you. You need to know that because some of you feel like, well, God just doesn't even hear me anymore. He's not doing anything. Why? Because like they said, if you had been here, it wouldn't have happened. But the truth is that God hears you as much as he heard Jesus. He hears you. And he said, I don't just say that for my sake. I say that for the people around me, that God, you hear me when I pray. In the New Testament, it says that if we know that God heard us, we know that we have it. If we know that God heard what we prayed, we know that we have it when we pray in faith. And I love that he said, God, I thank you, you hear me. Can I challenge you this next week? Every time you start to pray, say that first. I think that will change the way you pray. 
Because sometimes we just pray and we don't even act like God is hearing. We just pray and we pray and we pray and it's not heartfelt and we don't mean it and we're just going through the motions. If we started off the prayer reminding ourselves that, hey, God, I thank you that you hear me. God, I thank you that you hear me. And like it says in the New Testament, if I know you heard me, I know I have it. Isn't that good this morning? Let's change the way we pray. God, I thank you not. God, I hope you're there. God, where are you? You know, prayers like that, sometimes they feel better to say it, but you're not getting anywhere praying like that. Instead of saying, God, I thank you that, that you hear me. I might not feel that way right now. It might not seem that way right now. But God, I thank you that you hear me. And when he hears you, you have it. And when you pray like that, you're believing and you're responding knowing when I pray and he hears me, immediately I believe that God is moving in my behalf. He's moving with compassion. He's moving into my situation. He's changing things. Whether I can feel it, whether I can see it, I know that God is moving as soon as he hears me. Now, I didn't say it would happen immediately, but I believe that God is moving and starting immediately when he hears me. And he's changing things and he's moving things. And it might not show up right then and it might not show up next week, but it will show up because God hears me. And it says when he hears us, we have it. God hears you. And I don't care what your background is or where you're from. You say, well, I don't even know if I believe in God. He still hears you. And he says, thanks a lot. No, I'm joking. Thanks a lot. Believe in me. I hear you. Joking, joking. God hears everything. God hears the believer, the unbeliever, the atheist, the Muslim, the Buddhist. He hears the Jewish man. He hears the black man, the white man, the yellow man, the green man. He hears everybody. Everybody. Green man. That's, you know, for you who believe in aliens out here, which I don't, but just for the extraterrestrials around here. If there was any in the crowd this morning, just want to make sure you're covered by the blood of God. Hey, you got to be politically correct these days. What do you identify with? Well, I'm kind of extraterrestrial a little bit. I kind of identify my gender as being alien right now. All right, sorry. Sorry, I apologize. I shouldn't have said that. Just trying to cover all my bases with being politically correct. But you need to realize no matter what background or what life you've lived before or after, God hears you. And more importantly than that, he wants to hear from you. So God said here, you hear me. And he said it out loud for the sake of the people so they would believe. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes. His face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. Now, we're about to close here. I appreciate you guys being here today and listening to me. We'll probably have to edit the alien part out of this just for don't get too many letters in the mail. 
I really don't believe in aliens, but. So he said, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. And he shouted. Sometimes you just need to shout. Shout at the devil. Shout at God. Shout because you just need it, because you need to be alive, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Good God, raise your voice every once in a while to make sure that you're breathing. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. This comes out of me. I'm just like, I realize everybody's not as loud as I am, but sometimes you just need to be. <laughs> raise your voice and let yourself know that you're alive every once in a while. But he shouted, and he said, Lazarus, come out. And he says, the dead man came out of the grave. The amazing thing about this is not only did Lazarus come out, but it's funny. It says in in so many different commentaries I read, if Jesus would not have said, Lazarus, come out, every dead person that could hear the voice of Jesus would have came out of their grave that day. Do you believe that? Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And if Jesus did not specifically say, Lazarus, come out, if he just said, come out, every it would have been like Thriller, Michael Jackson. It would have been crazy. Okay. I don't know Michael Jackson dance moves. Don't hold that against me. Don't let your kids watch that. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that either. They would have all came out of their graves. Do you believe that Jesus has that kind of power? That any dead thing under the power of his voice would have came up from the dead. That anything that was dead when Jesus shouted would have resurrected because he says he is the resurrection and the life. So that's why Jesus had to specifically say, now I don't want everybody. I don't want everybody to get up. Grandpa, stay there. Okay, we're not talking to you. (laughs) We love you, but you need to pass away. We need Lazarus. Where you at, Lazarus? Lazarus, come out. And he got up. And he came out of the grave and he resurrected from the dead after four days. Now, this wasn't an accident, like I said. It wasn't, he was just sleeping in a cave for a few days. He was dead. And he said, Lazarus, come out. And when he came out, it says he came out bound from head to toe with cloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. In the New King James, it says, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. I really believe with all my heart today that God wants to resurrect some things in your life. Some of you just need to receive Jesus to resurrect you as a person, to bring your dead heart and your dead spirit alive again. God wants to do that for you, but for a lot of us in here, there's other issues in our life that are dead like Lazarus. And God wants to speak to us and say, and come out, come up, get up. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. 
For whatever situation you're facing, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Whether that's a relationship or a health issue or a mental issue or a financial issue or anything you're going through that's troubling you and that's dead. It could be a dream. It could be a plan. It could be a vision for your future that's dead. God wants to say, come on out. Come on out. Come on up. Resurrect. Resurrect. Come on out of the grave. Come on out of the grave. Come on out of death. Come into life. God wants to say that to all of us this morning. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus doesn't just have the power of God. He is the power of God. Jesus doesn't just have resurrection. It says, I am the resurrection and the life. Come on. Am I preaching on a Sunday morning? You getting anything this morning? I love it. He followed it up with this. He told the people around him, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Now, Jesus had all power. He could have resurrected him and brought him out in a three-piece suit. He could have resurrected him and he would have had jeans and a t-shirt on. He could have resurrected him and he had some shorts on and a basketball shirt. All right, Jesus, you ready to go play hoops? Let's go do it. He could have resurrected him and changed his clothes. Or at least started to unwrap him. Come on, Jesus, help the man out. He's over there walking like this, trying to get out. <laughs> Let me out of the clothes. Jesus, I appreciate you resurrecting me, but I can't walk here. <laughs> this man had cloths wrapped around him. And that's the way they did it in that day. It was kind of like a mummy. They just wrapped him up in cloths. And so they didn't expect anybody to get back up, so it didn't matter. They wrapped him tight. This man's trying to come on up out of there. I'm coming, Jesus. Hopefully that, that cave wasn't too deep in there because it could have taken him a long time to get out of that cave. I'm really coming. You can't see me yet. I'm just trying to get out of the cave here, guy. All right. But he looked at the people around him and said, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. I'm going to tell you something. This is the last thing I'm going to say, and I've been saying I'm going to close for a while. That's what preachers do. I'm sorry. I wasn't lying. I really meant it, but then I changed my mind like halfway through. I still got nine minutes technically. So He said, loose him and let him go. Before we... Close this service today. I want to tell you, I cannot resurrect any dead thing in your life. Church cannot resurrect any dead thing in your life. I can't heal you. I can't deliver you. I can't set you free. Going to church can't do that. Being religious won't do that. Giving tithes and offerings won't do that. Serving at a church won't do that. Feeding the poor won't, won't do that. Only God can resurrect things in your life. Only God can heal you. Only God can deliver you. Only God can set you free. Only God can resurrect dead things. No man, preacher or not, can do that for you. And all my job is to point to the one who can do it because I can't do it. I love this. Bishop T.D. Jake said, all a preacher is is a beggar telling another beggar where he found the bread. 
And that's what I'm trying to do this morning. There's the bread. There's the resurrection. There's the life. There's your healer. There's your provider. It's not me. It's not church. It's him. Why? Because I need it just as bad as you need it. Just another beggar trying to tell him where he got the bread. But you know what the church's role is? The community of God's role is? To loose him and let him go. Now, Jesus is the only one that can resurrect you. But notice, he turned to the people around him and said, you loose him and let him go. And you know what? That's what church is for. That's what this church is for. Is once God has resurrected something in your life, you need people to get around you and start taking those old grave clothes off you. You need somebody around you to start unbinding your arms and unbinding your legs and helping you get loose to what you've been walking in all these years. And notice Jesus didn't do it. He said to the people around him, which is the church, which is us, loose him. And let him go. And you know what? Every week when you come to church, loose him and let him go. Looser and let him go. And every week you get unwrapped more and more and more and become the true self that you're meant to be. And that's why you need a church. Because the church's job is to help loose you and let you go. So Jesus' job is the resurrecting, but the church's job is to untie and unbind those after we've been resurrected and loose them and let them go. Did you guys get something this morning? Well, I'll preach myself happy this morning. You know what? I'm going to eat a big old lunch just because of that. You guys with me on that? You guys going to just pig out today in honor of the resurrection? Come on. Well, could we bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment? Father, we just love you today. We 